Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hey, it's State of State. We got your Nittany Line update. It's a football discussion with Tom and Justin. So kick back and press play. With former Penn State and NFL defensive back Justin King, I'm Tom Hannafin. This is State of State. This podcast is presented by Bet Online. Football is back, and Bet Online is your number one information source for all your sports wagering with all the up to the minute stats, news, scores, and matchup breakdowns. Get the latest game odds, spreads, and totals from the NFL and college football right at your fingertips with Bet Online's real time updates, stats, news, and odds. From week one all the way to the college football playoff and the Super Bowl, Bet Online gives you the access to the best football promotions and contests available anywhere online. Head to betonline.ag today or use your mobile device to get in on the action. Remember, use our promo code BELIEVE, that's B-L-E-A-V, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. State of State is presented by Bet Online, where the game starts. Also, State of State is a proud supporter of Blue White Outfitters. Blue White Outfitters was created as a retail shop meant to highlight the confidence, competitiveness, and fearlessness of the elite athletes found throughout the history of Penn State University. Check out the latest Lockdown U and Lawn Boys merchandise now. All sales from Blue White Outfitters directly benefit Penn State student-athletes. Visit www.bluewhiteoutfitters.com today. And if you're looking for the perfect beer for Penn State football season, we've got you covered with the State IPA. Special thanks to our friends at Funk Brewing for creating the best tailgate and game day beer for Nittany Lion fans. State IPA is available now at beer distributors, grocery stores, Funk's tap rooms, plus select bars and restaurants. Visit www.funkbrewing.com slash beers slash state dash IPA to learn where and how you can get state ipa check out the link in the description of this podcast for more information must be 21 years or older to purchase please drink responsibly ladies and gentlemen it's time to open up big 10 play for the nittany lions thank you for tuning in here on state of state he's justin king i'm tom hannafin penn state goes on the road for its first road game first big 10 game of the season this saturday as a part of big noon kickoff on fox at 12 p.m eastern they will be in champaign illinois against the one and one fighting illini uh Justin, good to be back with you. Big thanks to Zach Kaplan for filling in for me, another Penn State graduate, Penn State broadcasting graduate as well. So love keeping that going. Uh, for everybody tuning in, like, comment, rate, subscribe. Thank you all so much for tuning in uh, and being a part of this season with us. It's been a lot of fun so far. Justin, uh, final thoughts overall from the last two weeks because now it's the proverbial rubber hitting the road. I like where we're trending, right? At the end of the day, you come out the first week, understanding your offense, playing with some new weapons, win a game 30, 38 to 15 and come out and obviously still not getting everybody involved into the offensive game plan, but distributing the ball well from Drew, establishing a run game early uh, with both running backs, five five yards a clip from Catron, and then from Nick Singleton, obviously three touchdowns in the first half and blowing those guys out 60 to sixty to 63 to 7, whatever that looked like. So going into this week, you feel good about – where they're trending as a team and a lot more in the tank for the rest of the for the rest of the long haul looking at this game on paper you and zach talked about it briefly in the recap episode uh regarding the, the delaware win is that 
this has been an odd season so far for Illinois and that they opened up against Toledo at home and only won that game by two points, which is a head scratcher. And then they go on the road to Kansas and the Jayhawks have ascended as of late. There's a lot of money that's been pumped into that program. They do seem to be trending in the right direction and could make some noise within the Big 12. Jalen Daniels, a quarterback, is a really special talent. That being said, you lose by 11 on the road. Now you come home. Yeah, they're going to do an orange out against number seven Penn State. It should be a quote hostile environment like eh, you know like they said that about the road game against Purdue last season and Penn State you know has been in more difficult environments so nothing against that but this just seems like an odd start to the season for Illinois and you know I know you and Zach talked about the the concept of a trap game it doesn't feel like that to me it just feels like this is a an Illinois team that's down what do you think I, I, would, I would echo echo the same things that you're saying it's more of a little putter of the star for their season and just understanding their personnel and talent. I mean, new coach coming in and getting his whole culture established, but for Penn state coming up there, I, I don't feel like it's a trap game. It's the opening game in the big 10. So you have to come out and make a statement, especially at a place like Champaign, because I mean, I played up there one time and we lost to those guys, right? They came out ready to play with juice Williams and that, that crew back in the day, but it not that it's a hostile environment compared to Penn state, but any team in the Big Ten, if you get catching them on time and the atmosphere is right, you know that that home field advantage definitely matters. So it's imperative for Penn State to go to Champaign with like a mission to correct and fulfill all the different things that maybe they didn't do in the past couple of weeks and continue that trend up. Yeah, uh, shout out to my buddy Big E, who's a part of the Fox crew covering this game this weekend, and he's exploring what Champagne has to offer. But I, I told him in <laughs> advance, I was like, "We're gonna, we're gonna mess up, mess him up a little bit." Not to be too biased. Uh, looking at this game, James Franklin talked about it in his press conference this week. I think this is like the eighth year in a row Penn State has opened up Big Ten play on the road. How do you receive that? Do you take that as disrespect from the conference? I think you at one point you have to, right? I mean, if you keep opening up on the way uh, on a way game, it's it's not really it's not great for your season. But I think they've been handling well, coming out with a multiple eleven one seasons over the past seven eight years. So, I mean, I think you wear it on your a chip on your shoulder, kind of like he is. Like, hey, this is what we do. We go on the road the first first Big Ten game, and I think it sets the tone amongst the rest of the program. Where like this isn't an excuse. Like we're coming in to win games in hostile environments, especially if we have aspirations of uh, playing in January. There's part of me, Justin, that like, you know, we always talk about how the TV networks approach these games and how they have an effect on the scheduling. And to me, you know, I remember talking about the Purdue game last year was that Penn state on the road in big 10 play means Penn state in jeopardy of potentially losing. So it puts, it possibly raises the interest level in that game. I think the way Illinois played last year and the season before that, obviously that, horrific nine overtime loss at Penn State, which I attended, and I, I wish I hadn't. Uh, it was that this might have been more, more of a game, you know, looking at it last season, and now, like, as the season has kind of opened up, it's like, eh, this feels like this could be a bit of a beatdown, but do you think it's the, the networks and the conference saying, like, hey, Penn State on the road is more intriguing than a Penn State home game where you kind of could expect a more, you know, definitive outcome one way or the other? I think it's, I mean, safe to say that. I mean, Penn State's a tier one type of fan group that travels, and to have that going on, 
I don't know. I don't know how, how much that goes into the TV ratings or deciding the schedule, but at the same time, I think it's beneficial for all parties, especially like again, Penn State being on a away game and Champagne not being, I would say, a tier one type of place to play college football. I'm not to, not the hater or anything, but you Fair. know, and, and to have a group like come like like Penn State to come in there, I think is it makes business sense. Brett Bielema at the helm of this team, previous stops at Arkansas and Wisconsin, especially within the Big Ten. Uh, something James Franklin talked about is that both coaches have experience in the Big Ten and in the SEC. When I think Brett Bielema, I think of the game, again, from 2021. Nine freaking overtimes in the rain, 20-18. to 18. That was a dreadful game, but that style that Bielema put on the field was tight line splits, run the football, a variety of different backs, play action, limited incorporation from the quarterback in terms of the passing game, and very much an old-school Wisconsin style of football. And you and I talked about this briefly before we were recording, is that when he was at Arkansas, I remember the, the days of the late, great Ryan Mallett, and Ryan Mallett being more of a statue pocket passing quarterback could run a spread-style offense. This is more of a spread-style offense with Illinois, and it makes me look at their personnel and think it just seems like this isn't a Bielema-style team that he would probably like, but it's the old adage of you play to your personnel strengths, which I know you believe in. Absolutely. I mean, you have to – it's a Jimmy and Joe's game, not necessarily an X and O, so you have to understand the matchups and who you're playing with. They do have definitely have a dynamic player in Isaiah Williams. I remember him coming out of high school, just one of those top five star recruits that they took into that program prior to him getting there. But that's a, a weapon that you have to always be on alert for on defense. But, yeah, it's not necessarily his bread and butter that he had at Wisconsin where you talk about like he had a unique curated roster right like the way he built his front seven on offense and defense running the ball and things of that in that in that realm but the the excuse for three to four years to turn things around now in college football has completely flipped now that we see what happened with Colorado so it's hard to say how much longer does it take to get his crew or his type of personnel in Champaign but I mean he's a he's a he's a well-respected coach that you expect you would think that he would find the matchups and lean towards his personnel when it comes to attacking Penn State. And it's, I completely agree with you on the point about Deion Sanders and what Colorado has done is that the transfer portal is not necessarily, you know, an evil entity where you can't necessarily put your team together. At the same time, I feel like Brett Bielema, when he arrived at Illinois, he inherited a very good team that was flying under the radar, I think, for a lot of people. Let's not forget. They had four draft picks this past year. Three of them were defensive backs in the first three rounds. Devin Witherspoon, Jartavius Martin, and Sidney Brown. And then Sidney's brother, Chase, went in the fifth round. And then on top of that, they had six more, I'm sorry, excuse me, seven more players that were either undrafted free agents or camp invites. Uh, D-tackle Calvin Avery, linebacker Isaac Darcangelo, quarterback Tommy DeVito, who was part of that play-action style of offense, uh, two starting offensive linemen, another defensive back, tight end Luke Ford, and D-tackle Jamal Woods. So to me, it sounds like along the trenches, they're replacing a lot of pieces, and there have been guys who have stepped up, and, and James Franklin has talked about pieces along the defensive line that look very promising for Illinois and can cause some problems. They did that against Kansas to a degree. However, replacing those things in the trenches for Brett Bielema in the Big Ten, 
I, I don't know if I like this matchup necessarily. When you look at what they've done with their personnel early on, what, what do you think is a potential threat to Penn State on either side of the ball? I don't think there's a glaring threat. I think Penn State has the matchups or wins the matchup battle from a personnel standpoint, just in terms of the whole construct of the team. But if there's anything that we know about when it comes to Penn State, I think we still have to shore up that run. So when we talk about clogging up the hole on defense, playing sound football, and just making sure that we tie that situation up. And then obviously attacking their defensive front seven. Like, because when you're rotating guys in, whether it's coming from the transfer portal or anything in that vein, you just want to make sure, see what their the stress test is for. So like we have the two running backs come out with the same mentality and identity that, that they did last week with establishing a run, making sure they get in, the running backs getting to a rhythm and move forward like that and see what opens up to Drew for the rest of the game. Because I think on the perimeters, I, I don't think they stack up just from man to man across the board. To your point that you made before, wide receiver Isaiah Williams is is kind of – the entire receiving core that uh, right. not to be not to be negative about the rest of the guys that they have but he's the primary threat by leaps and bounds 100 percent, he's a dynamic player like you said like one of the top recruits i think in the past 10 years that went to illinois and he i mean he is a dynamic player so any guys that can touch the ball one time and score i mean it's got to treat him like a one punch knockout boxer where it's like you have to be careful regardless of where they are but man make sure you bottle him up and play sound defense i think it's a little bit outweighed in Penn State's favor. James Franklin talked about in his press conference that you can expect 11 personnel, meaning one running back, one tight end, and usually three wide receivers, and they will vary from that. And it's more of a spread-style offense, which does seem like a bit of a departure from what they were doing the last few years under Bielma with Tommy DeVito. As I mentioned, Chase Brown killed Penn State a few years ago, and I was on the record last season saying I was glad Penn State didn't play Illinois because their rushing attack was quite potent last season, and we saw the way that Penn State struggled against Michigan. So it, it was fortunate, and then Illinois started to stumble middle of the way through the season. So we kind of saw how they wound up, but I still believe they would have given last year's team some trouble. I don't feel that same threat this year, even though they're tailbacks, uh, Love and McCray, two guys that are holdovers from the last few years who Penn State has seen. So they're able to go to those guys, but then I, I come back to this being an offense focused more so on the quarterback. Luke Altmeyer transfer from Ole Miss, spent two years there, and kind of got thrown into the mix. And, and you've seen what Ole Miss has done over the years with Lane Kiffin. It's like, we got a, we got the quarterback. And then two minutes later, we got another quarterback. And <laughs> it was like Matt Corral. And then uh, Luke Altmeyer was supposed to be the guy. And then he was gone and Jackson Dart was in. And it just seems like this revolving door there. But Altmeyer has oddly been the focus of the offense. And that's not that that's not what Bielema does. It, and I and, and again, you come back to playing your personnel. If the game is put on Altmeyer's shoulders, I don't love that for Illinois. And I think Penn State is capable of making that happen. I love that for Penn State and lockdown you, right? You want those you know, them to have some pressure on him when he's dropping back to pass and throwing into different opportunistic situations. I think when we talk about one of the areas that Penn State's defense continue to step up is that turnover battle. And I mean, Dom had a nice pick, I mean, almost a pick six last week, but had a nice interception and turnover. But for the back end to really get involved, I think this is a type of week where they'll have some opportunities that they have to take advantage of. For 
Penn State, uh, this is something James Franklin talked about, is that this is a first for a good chunk of the roster. You have a lot of true freshmen, and you even have some guys who are just entering their second season overall, namely starting quarterback Drew Aller. This is his first road start for Penn State. However, a lot of people are going to be like, well, he played in the first game last year on the road against Purdue. He played on the road against Michigan. He played um, in, in a lot of different environments where it was on the road, not necessarily the most hostile environment, like the Indiana game jumps to mind that was late in mop-up duty. So it's not like he has no idea what it's like to go on the road in Big Ten play or even major college football play. But still, how does that change things when you've got guys that are experiencing the the routine and the itinerary of it's it's a road trip, it's a work trip? To be completely honest, I feel like Drew's routine is pretty elite in the sense of he seems like a mechanical guy when it comes to preparation, right? Like he seems like he's always doing his drills, whether it's on social media, whether it's pregame, whether so like I, I feel like for someone like him that he's been in the situation and traveled before, like he's not a true freshman. So him going on the road, understanding the dynamics, like he has a routine that he goes through. So he gives himself enough time. So I'm actually not concerned about Drew from that standpoint. I mean, he's been uh, impressive from a maturity standpoint, from a quarterback, from a quarterback stance, just how he's approached the game, decision-making in the pocket, moving around, keeping his eyes downfield, all those different things that you typically see from guys that have played three, four years in college. So having that already under his belt, I wouldn't be too concerned about getting into the flow of the situation on the road. You and I have talked about it extensively over the first two weeks of the season is the, the word identity and identity for the offense in particular. And I thought you really nailed it in the, the recap of the, of the Delaware win was that the identity is that we're going to do whatever we freaking want. And granted, it's early. You beat West Virginia, which is you know going to be a bottom of the conference Big 12 team. And Delaware, obviously, an FCS opponent. So I don't want to freak out over it. But the identity, you know, you and I walked away from the West Virginia game kind of be like, huh, I was expecting the running game to be featured a little bit more prominently, but there was there was balance. And then you saw in the game against Delaware, the rushing attack was incredible. Again, it's Delaware. And then Drew Aller came in there and was 20 and 26, very efficient, wasn't asked to do a whole lot. And I continue to come back to the fact, Justin, that nine wide receivers caught a pass in the first game, I believe 10 caught a pass in the second game the, the identity is that if you're playing Penn State and you're a defense you have to cover every inch of grass that's the identity 100% I mean it's just saying they have a large arsenal but I think establishing that run first it just sets a different tone on how the defense has to defend you and it's just the fact that they're aren't any limits to what the offense can do. I would dare it now. I came into the season like, hey, make them throw the ball. And I was like, all right, you have to pay attention to that a little bit more and make sure you have seven, mix the box, seven, eight-man box, send some blitzes because there are a lot of different weapons. Like, again, I don't think the tight ends have gotten fully involved into the offense yet, even with the running backs. I mean, they had their quarters, but there was kind of a blowout to the scent. And last week, the receivers, you feed eight to, eight to ten guys and – there wasn't any that I think had over 60 yards receiving. So like there hasn't been just that explosive, like hitting on all cylinders in the past, hitting on all cylinders in the run. It's just like been a little appetizer here and there. So I think as the season progresses and we play better teams and big 10 play, I think you'll see the offense come to light a little bit even more. 
Penn State fans, Smack Apparel has the best gear for talking smack on game day. Head to smackapparel.com today and be ready for week one with the Save a Couch Beat WVU shirt. Also, check out their Let There Be White tee for the whiteout game against Iowa at Beaver Stadium. There's also the Drink Up Roar On tee, as well as the Saturday's We Are design. If you're watching this on YouTube, scan the QR code on the screen to take you to the website instantly on your phone. Visit Smack Apparel and use our promo code STATE10 at checkout for 10% off your order. That's S-T-A-T-E-1-0. Again, that's smackapparel.com, promo code STATE10 at checkout. Why wear boring when you can wear smack? Are you looking for undeniably good hair and beard care? Then Maestro's Classic is perfect for you. Maestro's has beard washes, beard oils, beard butters, plus hair gels, pomades, and now body washes. It's one brand for every man. Visit maestrosclassic.com, that's M-A-E-S-T-R-O-S classic.com, and use our promo code STATE20, that's S-T-A-T-E-2-0, at checkout for 20% off your order. Maestro's Classic, crafting a better you. How little of the playbook do you think Mike Yurcich has shown at this point? Because that's a factor. Yeah, I don't think he's shown. I don't probably. I was if I put a percent on it, probably 35, 40, 35 percent of of the playbook, right between the different quarterbacks and rotating. And I think the first game we saw a, a different dichotomy of the runs, or whether it's just like more TRC and level concepts, and it kind of broke out to some just more run game situations uh, and against Delaware. So I think moving forward, you're trying to see what the defense gives you, but it's the way he's playing it is it seems like, like you kind of said, we can do whatever we want to do, but we'll take this route first or we're going to come out against your weakness. I think it com- comes down to those matchups and where do you attack first to see how they adjust. So you're always on the offensive or in the in the driver's seat when it comes to the game. You're not reacting to what the other team's giving you. <laughs> in regard to the rushing attack for Penn State, I want to focus on that against Delaware and again, it's Delaware, but still. Singleton, Allen, Trey Potts as well, Bo Perbula, even Drew Aller got involved in the rushing attack. This looked very, very promising. This is an Illinois defense that gave up about four and a half yards a clip against Toledo, which is not encouraging, and then gave up about six yards a clip against Kansas. Much faster team altogether. The concern against West Virginia is that, yeah, you know, you saw the run game do well, but people were, you know, you and I were kind of like, oh, I think maybe they could have been a little bit stronger in that department. Um, but they, they obviously look good against Delaware and FCS opponents, so putting it all in perspective. What do you expect from the rushing game this weekend? From Penn State, I mean, a little bit of what we've seen against Delaware, coming out with an intentional identity like hey we're going to run the ball and i like that they gave the running backs it seemed intentional to have a nice flow of the game whether it was gator on the first was it the, like probably the first quarter or like the felt first, like it. it felt like the first quarter i mean give them a quarter give another one a quarter so they can get that rhythm and you can feed them the ball you, know, you start feeling different things as a running back whether it's like how how is the defense attacking you whether it's blitzes whether it's like breaking tackles just to see where the tempo is from the defense. And a lot of times you see that from the run game. And then when you have a quarterback as dynamic as Drew and the receivers all over the place at that point, it's like, all right, what lane do they open up and which we just take advantage from there on out for the rest of the game. So I would, uh, I would think they would come out with the same 
type of approach, especially being a away game, especially with an orange out and all the different things that take come the into the, Yeah, take the crowd out. When you talk about atmosphere and what can get guys excited, I mean, run game calms that down really quickly. <laughs> Slows down the pace of play, all those things. You and I discussed it that in the press conference James Franklin held before the Delaware game, he was specific to single out Katron Allen and Malik McLean, but Katron Allen especially. And that stood out because Katron obviously got involved in the game against West Virginia, but he he didn't play a big part. And then you just hit on it is that Katron, I believe, was the lone running back for the bulk of the first quarter. Do you think there is a concerted effort by Penn State offensively right now to give Katron a little bit more of a role than Singleton? Um, I think it's to everybody's benefit if you get keep both running backs fully engaged into the game. I mean, in the day and age of, I mean, the running back by committee, I think you have to manage that uh, in a positive manner. And you're never going to, I don't think that, I think the days of the true bell cow are kind of over. Like when we had Tony Hunt on where one guy is going to get the carry the ball 30 times in a game. That, I don't think happens anymore. So with that being said, how do you keep a, group of running backs happy i mean there's a level of keeping them healthy and fresh but also letting them find that rhythm so they can run whether it's their running style like i said he he has that frank gore creasy type running style versus like a nick singleton who's a more of a home run home runs dasher type of runner that you can do different things in the passing game from screens and all those different um, opportunities and you just start bringing in like that t formation so having multiple backs it makes me even think for like running backs coming out of high school, how do you evaluate the situation that you're going into? Because partly, I think I would want to go into a running back by committee, right? When you just talk about the hits that your body's taking, how you can, can progress in the, your career. So I think the way that you manage the running backs carries is essential in today's game of football. And especially when you have two top, like tier one type of running backs. And, and also credit to Trey Potts in getting involved uh, in the game this past weekend against Delaware. Uh, seven for 59, along a 20. Uh, Nick Singleton, while he was at 12 for 47, three touchdowns. You know, it's like a great, <laughs> it's a great ratio there. Um, Nick really has yet to break a long one, kind of like we got accustomed to, like that Auburn game early on last season. There's Nick Singleton bursting down the sidelines, and it just seems like he hasn't broken that play yet. Is it just a matter of time, in your opinion, or is it a, a fundamental change, something different? No, I think it goes back to that rhythm I was speaking about, whether it's his running style. I just, I mean, he hasn't gotten the ball to an extent, maybe like 18, 20 carries, but I'm just thinking it hasn't happened yet, to be completely honest. And by they got into the third, fourth quarter, they've been out of the game the past two weeks. And so I think it's just a matter of time, to be honest, just based on his running style and his ability. Once he gets in the second level, you're always holding your breath because you had thought if they would have kind of came out with the same approach that they did against Delaware versus West Virginia, I guarantee he would have broke one if they if he had the whole first quarter to take those um, run plays because he was getting five yards a clip, getting into the secondary, and he's that type of player. It's just one missed tackle and is off to the races. If anything, this year, and, and tell me if you agree with this or not, is that his ability to run in between the tackles, in line running north-south, has improved. Not to say that it was bad in the first place, but a lot of those plays that he broke early last season, like I'm thinking the Ohio U game, I remember him getting to the edge and 
beating a lot of arm tackles. Now, again, it was against lesser competition that he was doing some of this against, and it's not to say that he didn't do it against bigger competition. But once you saw the competition scale up within the Big Ten and beyond, you did see him get to the edge, and it was like, yeah, you're not going to be able to break those against Big Ten defensive ends and Big Ten outside linebackers, et cetera. They are going to get to you. Uh, but for me, watching the way he's played the first two weeks, there is a commitment to running between the tackles and making guys miss and just making good decisions with his cuts. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I would definitely agree. I think they both run in an efficient manner, but especially Nick this year. I mean, maybe that's why we haven't seen some of the home run plays or looking for the home run where it's more of a north-south attack and making sure you're getting your foot up the ground and getting those hidden yards instead of two yards of carry from trying to press on the edge. You get get four to five when you're like getting north and south and delivering a blow at the point of contact. So seeing him continue to bring that into his game just makes him a deadlier running back. And But with that being said, it's more, it's more of an efficient running style to the to the point of you got to get in rhythm sometimes to break those long ones. But he has the ability uh, to be a one touch guy, so just it's just a matter of time. I I completely agree with you. Uh, I want to go back to the way Penn State's offense matches up against this Illinois secondary. Obviously, that's been your bread and butter for a long time. Lockdown, you. Uh, this is a secondary, as I just mentioned, sent three guys in the top three rounds of the NFL draft, plus a fourth went undrafted into the National Football League. Uh, Witherspoon, Martin, and Sidney Brown, three really talented guys. How significant of a drop-off is that for Illinois? Anytime you lose, lose three NFL guys, it's a significant hit to a core piece of your defense. Like when you talk about the back end having three guys that go off and that can play on Sundays is, I mean, that's a huge hole to fill. And that plays into our hands with a dynamic quarterback, tight ends, and just the offensive weapons that we do have. But, I mean, it, it's tough unless you start building depth, like kind of how Penn State has, where you see young guys like a Zion Tracy, um, like King Mack, and those guys where you see that promise as a freshman and they're getting some time, they get some snaps in the game, but you have – First, a uh, first round corner in Kalen King. You have a mid round, second mid round guy in Johnny Dixon, and it's really, it really just shows that you need depth in that back end. So I'm not necessarily sure if um, Illinois has had that or been able to replace those guys, especially with a new coach coming in, like Bill, what was his name uh, Belima? <laughs> Always messed Brett up. Brett Belima. Brett Belima. <laughs> but yeah you look right i don't know what it, there's a there's a nationality of last name that escapes you like Brabula and bielema yeah i, I just always say like a b like right what's up b like what's up coach <laughs> yeah because i bet you know what causes his full name but with that being said, like it's probably hard it, it, it's hard to replace guys like that especially if, if you're not at a top tier school that's collecting talent that means you have to find them in the transfer portal or you have to be developing at a very high level true uh against toledo uh toledo quarterback daquan finn uh 20 for 36 230 uh, yards two touchdowns and an interception also had 20 carries for 75 yards and a touchdown on the ground and then in the game against kansas jalen daniels who i think is really just scratching the surface of what he can be 21 of 29 277 through the air two touchdowns a pick uh and then 11 carries for 24 yards on the ground with a long of 15 so they have struggled against quarterbacks. It's not that Drew Aller is going to take off and run. Is this the week 
where the Bo Perbula package is revealed. I think it's a good week to get some reps in to be again, like we talk uh, when we speak on talent management from the running back standpoint, I think it's a great week to bring that into the fold because I think that shows another avenue of how the offense can attack you. Uh, I mean, we've seen Bo run around a little bit and throw the ball. So it'd be great to see just the combination, even him throwing his passing, uh, throwing his, showing his uh, passing abilities and in, um, into the offense. So, hundred percent. I think it'll be a great week to bring that out again. When we talk about nullifying the atmosphere, his style of play, not that it's safer, but it's a, it's another wrinkle in the offense. Yeah. And, and you can make the argument of, is it a necessary opponent to roll that out against, you know, you maybe save that for the right opportunity. And what I mean to those listening and watching by the Bo Perbuel package is that during the off season, there was discussion of Bo having his own specific package within the offense that you would see him in the first quarter, second quarter, you know, whatever in a game, not just in relief in that he would be inserted. You know, we, we always go back to when Will Levis or Tommy Stevens was part of Penn State, that they were the backup quarterback, but they had a specific package that was maybe geared more towards running. I, I don't want to necessarily refer to it as a quote unquote wildcat package because I believe Bo can do more than that. That's nothing against what Levis and Stevens were at Penn State. But if anything, I'm like, man, there's certainly going to be some opportunities against a team like Illinois. And then especially looking at Drew, starting quarterback, it seems like you could potentially have a field day with this secondary. And it's it just seems wide open. And that's a, that's a really this, – this is just so weird as a Penn State fan. Like, I can't remember the last time where it felt like every option was at your disposal. Maybe the 2016 team. Um. Yeah, the 2016 team had a lot of weapons. I'm trying to think, I mean, 18 like, size of Saquon and I, I mean, 05 jumps to mind, of course. Yeah, but even then, we were all young, so like all the skill guys were unproven. So it was just like, oh, I mean, Derek broke his arm week four. We it was still like a, a whole group of young freshmen running the, re- the receiver room. But there was a time where then we had Jahan. Jahan, KJ, and Saquon and Miles all mm-hmm. within the same group. And then I forgot the tight ends there. And then Trace always made you feel like you had a chance of winning. So I would think that 18 team when they beat Pitt by like 40, like that that was a, that was a the, 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 the Fiesta Bowl year. That was yeah. just that team had a lot of weapons where it was just Fryermuth's year, or was he gone by then? No, he no Fryermuth was a freshman. Like those were so I mean, those were <laughs> Those yeah, that team was pretty that team was talented. But it's just uh this is this is relatively new. I mean, Penn State has been for so long a power running team and it's been this progressive evolution under Franklin into more of a spread style, um run pass option being incorporated. So there's been some differences, but to see a team this early in the season and again, I get it. It was West Virginia, it was Delaware and I'm excited about it. And they're 2 and 0 and there's just a lot of promise for it. But it just feels like they can do anything, and especially against this Illinois team, I I, I see the spread at about 14 and a half, 15 in some places, and Penn State real good about covering the spread. I like them to cover the spread on this one. What do you think? Uh, I would hope so. I got, that's where I would go. I mean, even when it comes to the game, I'm still getting caught up on 
just the spreads and what's going on. I'm like, it should be a blowout. I don't, I don't know. 15 points. Absolutely. Uh, but I think it, it, it comes based on how they set the tone at the beginning of the game. Cause like, you don't want to, I don't think you want to get into a dog fight just in case, you know, the run game's not figured out and they keep the place and, and uh, coach B starts running the ball and we can't really stop it. And with the new, uh, the new rules in college football and the, run the clock out a little bit. Yeah, that is a good point. Um, th- don't want to keep it. A, don't want to keep it close. I think just getting in there, establishing the run game, and then just opening it up from there and just run them out the run them out of champagne. You and I haven't talked about that. Obviously, that's a new rule this year. The clock does not stop uh, automatically for the chains to reset on first down. How do you feel about it? What have you seen from the first two weeks of play? Do you like it? Do you not like uh, it? From the from, I have two perspectives on it. Like I understand why, right? Because like even just a throwback from the past when we were at the XFL, just understanding what the fans wanted from the game of college football or that segment, uh, that fan segment, and they wanted shorter, more rhythmic games. Obviously, that's what the fans wanted in the totality, but the coaches were always against it, whether it was speeding up the play clock, making sure that the um, the game clock ran at certain times to make it more condensed and more of a viewable experience for people watching the game. So from the fan standpoint, it was like I seen it where the, the numbers said that that's what they wanted. But at the same time, I understand why coaches don't like it because it changes your game plan and how the how much time you can operate. And it's, it's a, it's a tool that you have to adjust with. So, I mean, I'm kind of in between. I understand both, but I, I mean, I like the shorter games to be honest. Mm. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like I'm a college football junkie, so I wasn't necessarily complaining about like, Oh, like I think James Franklin has said, it's like, eh, you know, you, you basically wind up losing 10 plays and that's for both teams. Just as, a, right. as cumulatively per game, you lose about 10 plays. So theoretically, two to three drives are gone, which you, you might not notice in the pace of play. I didn't have a problem with it necessarily, and I kind of like that as a different wrinkle between what the college game requires a player to do versus what the pro game requires a player to do. Because at the same time, it ups the ante of each possession. So now you have to really approach every possession with a little bit more uh, aggressive behavior, whether it's going for it on fourth down, like just different things that bring excitement into the game because – you might not get the ball back depending on like like the the play count or how much the clock runs out. And that was one of the reasons, I mean, even from the construct construction of the XFL of why we were doing the play clock that way to encourage more aggressive play calling, to encourage big plays, to encourage scoring faster and not, and getting coaches out of their way of, Hey, let's want to keep it in a, two yards in a cloud of dust. Or I'm going to run my, my West coast offense, get up to the line and take all day and do all the different type of different things. It's like, yo, like let's, try to score and move the pace of the game forward. So I think it helps with a more rhythmic game. Obviously coaches don't want to hear that. And obviously the ones that have been the loudest critics are offensive guys. <laughs> obviously yeah. have coaches, right? It yep. is. And there's a reason for it. So I, I it's interesting to see. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know where those complaints are going to come from and that's, that's, <laughs> That's just how progression goes. Um, we haven't talked too much about the Penn state defense in this one, uh, but Looking at this matchup, we kind of touched on it a little bit before in terms of a lot of the focus goes to the quarterback, Luke Altmeyer. They are going to try and run the ball, but it's more of a spread style uh, offense at this point in time, closer to the aforementioned Juice Williams style of offense. And I'm not comparing Altmeyer to Juice Williams whatsoever, <laughs> completely different athletes. What is with Illinois and recruiting guys named Isaiah Williams? They just do that for like, if your name's Isaiah Williams, we will take you. <laughs> 
And they're typically pretty good up there. They, must they are have, really they good. They must have a nice little program for those guys. Like uh, Coach B said about Penn State being able to recruit skill guys. So he's like, I don't know what they're doing. He said something to that effect Man, today. I remember <laughs> years ago, I forget the year, I remember seeing Illinois versus Penn State and Beaver Stadium. It was Juice Williams, Aurelius Ben. Um, blanking, who's the running back number five? That's Mendenhall. Mendenhall, uh, Humanoa Nui at tight end. Like, that was a damn good offense. So, uh, yeah, that, that, was a good, is, that was a good team. <laughs> this is different. This is going to be different. Um, Penn State defensively, again, against Delaware, four sacks, seven tackles for loss. Big uptick from West Virginia, as expected, but there was very limited production on that side against West Virginia. Were you encouraged by that? Do you expect to see something similar against Illinois? I think you see something similar against Illinois. I think you have to test the the given soft spot or given weakness that Penn State has shown, right? There's some blood in the water, and obviously Delaware got away from it just, I think, based on personnel. But if I'm him, if I'm coach from Illinois, I'm, I'm running straight at it and see if they stop it and see if they made any adjustments and people show up from that standpoint of stopping the run. And But from that point – Containing Isaiah Williams from from a slot receiver standpoint, um, but outside of that, man, I, I think Penn State should come out and take care of business. I, I don't think there's much for them to do, but got to stop that nosebleed up front. Yeah, that's been uh, the concern is what's going to go on at defensive tackle, and, and admittedly, defensive end is that not that it's been bad. You expected them to get after the quarterback against Delaware. But it's how are you going to operate and run defense? And something that did pop up against Delaware, the lone touchdown that they had, that big breaking run by the uh, running back Yarns, was a linebacker play. And it wasn't, you know, Curtis Jacobs and it wasn't Abdul Carter or Kobe King in that situation. It was, you know, unfortunately, Tyler Elsden in that situation. I'm sure he was beating himself up about that friend of the show. And Tyler is better than what happened on that play. But himself and Dom DeLuca were playing middle linebacker at that point. And it's a smaller linebacker group when you go to that set. What do you need to see from linebacker this week? Because Reggie Love and Altmaier quarterback and Josh McRae at tailback, those guys can get after it if the opportunities are given. I mean, sound physical football at the end of the day, uh, even from that long touchdown. I, I mean, I watched it back a little bit and just getting caught up in the in the muck, keeping things clean. We're talking about scraping over top of defensive players or defensive linemen, I've, I think just getting in that rhythm of tackling. I mean, obviously it's the beginning of the season. We've seen a lot of missed tackles from just the defense in general, even from like Abdul early in the, in the year. So I think for just the, the core of linebackers, them coming into their third game of the season, just that strike point and just the rhythm that it takes to tackle. Uh, I, I feel like we'll see more positive plays, TFLs, and things happen in that nature. That's what you would like to see from our run-stop defense. Looking overall at the Big Ten this weekend, uh, this is coming out on Wednesday, so this Friday night, Virginia visits Maryland, obviously Penn State's at Illinois, Louisville at Indiana, Wisconsin hosts Georgia Southern, Minnesota is at number 20 North Carolina. That could be an interesting game. Northwestern at number 21 Duke. Western Michigan visits number 25, Iowa. Virginia Tech at Rutgers. That could be competitive. Western Kentucky at number six, Ohio State. That won't be competitive. Uh, number eight, Washington at uh, Michigan State, which has just been a, a brutal offseason and now the firing of Mel Tucker. Uh, it is a rough time to be a Spartan fan. Northern Illinois visits Nebraska. Bowling Green at number two, Michigan. That will be rough for Bowling Green. And then Syracuse at Purdue. 
The thing I want to keep a focus on as this season progresses is that you've got Illinois this week, home in a whiteout against Iowa next week, and then I believe at home against Northwestern, or no, on the road against Northwestern. By week, home against UMass, October 21st, you go to the shoe and you play Ohio State. And tracking the progression of Buckeye quarterback Kyle McCord versus the progression of Penn State quarterback Drew Aller. For my money thus far, trying to be as unbiased as possible, Aller seems more advanced than Kyle McCord does at this point. To you, is this a sprint to October 21st? Whichever quarterback is more advanced means their team is going to win. Uh, I'm, I think I'm the president of the Drew Aller fan club. So, with that, <laughs> <laughs> so with that being said, like, it's just like good quarterback play makes me feel good. I just, I like it because on the contrary, bad quarterback play really pisses me off and it messes up the aesthetic of the game. It's one of the few things we talk about the numbers behind and the TV ratings and what, like what actually matters to the product on the field. It's bad quarterback play and interrupted passes. You see guys that can't complete a pass 10 yards or just bad throws, even interceptions. I mean, sometimes you get the entertainment value from the interception return, but bad quarterback play really, it it really bothers me. (laughs) It messes up the aesthetic of the game. So when you have that and you have the ability to put that in the forefront every time and someone like Drew continue to develop at Penn State, I mean, I'm riding with him the rest of the way. Just don't throw anything at your TV, man. Just no, I don't do that. <laughs> Honestly, I mean, I, I do hope we see the Bo Perbula package. And, and even if it's not in this game, I'm excited to see what it could be. And it might not be until against Iowa. Hell, you might not see it until against Ohio State. I'm okay with that to the point we were saying before about Mike Yurcich. How much do you keep under wraps until you really need to roll it out? I'd be totally fine if you don't see that package until October 21st. However, this could be an opportune weekend to do it. Uh, Thank you all so much for joining us. Hop in the comments section. Hop on social media. Let us know what you guys are thinking about this game, uh, where you're betting potentially, but on top of that, what you guys feel overall about Penn State going into their first road game and their first Big Ten game. So Penn State versus Illinois this Saturday on Fox at 12 p.m. Eastern. Thank you all so much for joining us. This episode and our entire library of shows is available now on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, TuneIn, and wherever else you get your podcasts. And of course, let us know what you think of the show on Twitter, at TheKing1 and at Tom Hannafin. State of State is presented by BetOnline. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.